Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Do you have money sitting in the stock market and you're worried about it? Or worse, you have money sitting at the bank, not keeping up with inflation? My name is Charles Carrillo, founder and managing partner of Harborside Partners. And since 2006, I've been investing my money and my family's money into income-producing properties. These are real assets, real properties with real addresses that produce real cash flow. At Harborside Partners, we provide passive investors who love real estate with a turnkey investing solution. If you want to put your money to work in real estate but can't find deals, don't have the time to get funding, and the last thing that productive people want to do is manage real estate. We find the deals, we fund the deals, and we manage the tenants, the termites, and the properties. Partner with us at investwithharborside.com. That's investwithharborside.com. Go to investwithharborside.com. If you love real estate, you like the idea of passive income, and believe that income-producing properties will appreciate over time, go to investwithharborside.com. That's investwithharborside.com. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Crillo. Today we have Philippe Shelligan. He is an active investor in 2,400 units, $180 million portfolio, and has raised $29 million from investors. Prior to being a full-time real estate investor, he worked a corporate job in the business jets aircraft industry for over 20 years. He holds a master's degree in mechanical engineering. So thank you so much for being on the show, Philippe. You're welcome, Charles. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's awesome to uh, connect. I know Philippe through one of my uh, mastermind groups, and um, it'd be great to if you could give us a little background, both personally and professionally, on yourself prior to getting involved in real estate investing. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, you, you kind of gave the highlights uh, of my bio there, but uh, you know, like to to give a little bit color to 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 that, I uh, um, came to the U.S. in in my late twenties. Uh, I was uh, born and raised in France. And, uh, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to be sent by uh, uh, my uh, W-2 company I was working for at the time to the United States to, uh, for initially a short period of time that, you know, ended up being, you know, the, the last uh, 20 years of my life. <laughs> and um, uh, so, 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 yeah, that's, that's how I came to the U.S., um, my, I, I currently live in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, with uh, my wife and our two daughters, and uh, I've been doing uh, real estate full time for about two years now, and, okay. and uh, started uh, uh, about five years ago. So, when you initially made the decision to get into real estate, what were you looking for? I mean, why did you choose real estate as the investment vehicle when there's so many others out there? Yeah, you know, I, I did pick um, real estate because actually, um, unlike some more recent period of time, like the, the, the stock market, if you look in the from the 2000s to uh, uh, late uh, or let's say mid, mid uh, 2010s, it was kind of up and down. You know, mm -hmm. as you know, with you know different uh, the 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 dot com crisis, the mm -hmm. the real estate uh, bubble market in two thousand eight and nine. So you know, it, it was like a roller coaster for a while, and and that's what I you know I was I spent a lot of time investing in this market without uh, um, 
a, a lot of success. And, you know, I, I was more trying like shorter term trade. So basically more or less uh, time in the market, which is a terrible idea <laughs> in retrospect. Um, but, you, you know, so I decided, you know, let me let me try something else. And I wasn't really familiar with with real estate at that point. Um, you know, no, uh, um, you know, my, my family barely, I think maybe they had like one rental uh, uh property or something but it wasn't like working very well but you know I wanted to try so something for for myself and uh uh you know I I I took to bigger pockets to to initiate my education back then and uh I, I ended up deciding on you know going into turnkey single family rentals mm -hmm. because you know it it fit you know a little bit my my busy professional life mm -hmm as well as, uh, uh, you know, I would say my lack of knowledge, you know, to do renovations and, and so on. Um, so, you know, I, I thought, I thought it, was, it would be a good fit. But, you know, I realized quickly that, you know, like the growth, you know, go investing that way, it, it would be very slow to build, yeah. uh, to build equity and, and, and so on. You know, especially I was taking, you know, I purchased uh, a couple of uh, turnkey um properties in in a more stable market so there, there was not a lot of appreciation necessarily mm -hmm. um so yeah so that's why at that point i started to look at, at multifamily interesting so one thing before we can transition uh forward is with your turnkeys what was the reasoning uh that you chose turnkey investing versus passive investing or did you know about passive investing when you started like past I, investing I, in syndications. I didn't, I didn't know. That's the thing. Okay. I didn't know back then. Okay. I didn't know. And um, uh, it's part of, you know, that, that learning and, and getting familiar with, you know, real estate. And I think, I think, it's, I mean, you, you, you know, when you build your knowledge, you, it, it, it has to come through layers. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, so the first layer, which, you know, I think most of, you know, people would, would think about like, uh, uh, yeah, you know, you're buying a house and you're rent, renting it out, right? You know, there are some nuances with that. You can do house hacking. You can do, uh, uh, you know, if you buy like a, a duplex or, you know, triplex, fourplex. Um, but, you know, I guess now there's also the Airbnbs you could do that type of yeah. thing. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, from a scaling standpoint, you know, it's, it's, really, it's really tough. And, uh, um, you know, and it's by getting familiar with all these things and, and listening to podcasts uh, about real estate that, you know, sometimes you would have like a, a multifamily syndicator talking about what he's doing. And I found that very interesting. And, um, you know, progressively, you know, it, it appeared to me that it was probably like a, 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 a better way to, to grow, you know, my, my wealth. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, for, for, for our family, go, you know, going, going that path of, of multifamily and, and uh, uh, especially like, you know, the, the, the lower averages, you know, the more units you have, the less expensive it is to, to manage oh. and, and, you know, the cost of materials and whatnot is, is going to be lower. And, uh, uh, you know, also the risk that you have, you know, because like with my two, two uh, turnkey single families, you know, like occupancy zero or one. So, you know, sometimes at, yeah. I'm at 100%, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's 50%, sometimes it's 0%. And yeah. at the beginning of COVID, 
I was from an economical standpoint, you know, I like bo both my, my tenants didn't pay rent. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I, now I'm like, uh, economically I'm at zero uh, percent occupancy. Wow. So, so which, and again, you know, like on our, I cannot say on our uh, multifamily didn't, it didn't happen, but it did, it, it happened in a less, you know, much lower rate uh, compared to the overall uh, capacity of of uh, the apartment complexes that that mm -hmm. uh, we had at the time. So you pivoted to uh, to multifamily, and what was your multifamily strategy going in? Were you going to, or did you start finding deals or operating the deals and raising money? Because usually it's a there's you know you're going to be partnering people. There's many different partners that are working at one goal of acquiring this property and uh, fulfilling this business plan. Yeah, and and actually, you know, like since you mentioned, like people who are beginning in in uh, uh, the area, you know, before we started the the call, you know, I think to to share, you know, in full transparency how I started, I, you know, I, I just I said, oh, you know, I'm going I'm going to take a course, right? You know, like an, uh, some some different people were offering courses at the time, and and you know, I think it will it will grow my my learning curve, speed up my learning mm -hmm. curve. By taking a course, you know, rather than reading a book, right? And and you know, actually taking that course opened doors to me to you know community within you know that that group, and uh, um, so that that's how I learned about a, a multifamily. And and then you know I started to look for deals. Now you know I had a decent idea of of uh, uh, you know underwriting. And you know how to select the market, and you know, like all those the steps, and uh, uh, but I I didn't have like you mentioned you know uh, uh, I had a good idea on raising you know, I mean uh, uh, finding deals, but like raising money I had an idea how to do it, but I didn't have necessarily the the right network, mm. and, and and you know there wasn't something uh, being more from a, a technical background you know I, I wasn't I was never really a, a salesman so to say. And uh, um, so I definitely needed help, you know, on, on the raising money side. And certainly, you know, even though I had a, a uh, you know, let's say on, on paper uh, knowledge about how to do it, I'd, I've never I had never done it myself mm -hmm. at that point. So so what happened is I, I found a deal. Uh, interestingly enough, it was it was on LoopNet mm -hmm. um, at, at the time. And uh, uh, you know, underwrote the deal, and you know, seemed to make sense. You know, spoke to a property manager, and you know, confirmed that you know we're on the right track. And uh, you know, then I went, you know, I went to to look for some some partners to kind of let's say supervise me, like doing all these steps, like because I had not done them before, and and also you know help help raising money, and and you know if not all the money. And that's that's what uh, I was able to do, you know. Again, like by by joining that that cross that network, you know, I had access to uh, uh, people who could help on on these um, in these areas. Yeah, it's much more different than during doing a turnkey where you're kind of by yourself. And yeah, you have a manager because that's who you're usually buying it from. But with the multifamily, there is the network is required to kind of do deals and to you know all the different parts of the deal and to successfully. Uh, close and uh really make money with it right right and and you know um yeah actually i, I i'm also doing mentoring now uh 
uh, on on you know multifamily uh, you know acquisitions etc. Et and that's what I say to my to my students all the time. You know, it's it's unless you have very deep pockets, mm -hmm. right, or a very large network, you know, that is established and you know like kind of ready mm -hmm. to to invest. You know, you you will have to partner with with people to take down a deal. But right. and and moreover, uh, uh, depending on on the actual level of experience of of um, let's say the, the the operator or the sponsor of the deal, if they're they're beginning. They may not have the experience that is required by the lender. So mm. the lender, or they're going to ask that somebody is, is coming and sign on, uh, co-sign on the loan who has experience, you know, uh, yeah. operating uh, apartments, uh, um, and uh, you know, to to make them sleep better, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, um, but yeah, like it's a it's a team effort. It's definitely definitely a team effort. So let's talk about this. I mean, how have you successfully identified, vetted, and worked with co-sponsor partners? You mentioned one about being in the network group, but obviously, you know, they don't vet you going into a lot of the networking mentor groups for your, you know, your background so much, you know, right? it's mostly, yeah. I mean, so. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a good, it's a good, um, it's a good question. Absolutely. And, and, and I think, um, I think there are, there are two, but you know, it's, there are two angles to this. So, so you know, either maybe you want to partner with somebody with like much more experienced, and mm -hmm. in that case, you uh, probably should look at that track record number one, um, and you see how you know, like how many how many deals do they have? Uh, uh, you know, how many doors, how many apartments, uh, uh, apartment properties. And and uh, uh, how many deals that they have sold, you know, like a full uh, turn, and uh, uh, you know, did they reach the the goals that they set, you know, going in? Mm -hmm. And and if not, what happened? And and you know, um, you know, it's, it's important to to understand and see, you know, what what level of 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 uh, uh, experience they have on on this. And I would say. Um, you know, it's like if you if you're going to partner with somebody who, who who claims, you know, oh yeah, I can raise such and such, you know, like five hundred thousand or, or a million dollars. Well, you know, how many times have they done it? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it's kind of a simple simple question. And and I would say, you know, I, I use a lot of um, kind of uh, leverage my network to ask about, you know, such and such. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, or you know if if you don't know anybody who know them, then you ask you you ask for for uh, reference, you know that so you can speak to somebody else who worked with them, and uh, uh, you know make make your, yourself uh, an idea of of who they are and how they work and you know are they communicating well, etc. Mm -hmm. et, et um, so that's you know that's on the side of of more experience. Uh, and and if you you are to start you know like co sponsor a deal with uh, let's say people who are more you know kind of newer like yourself, mm -hmm. I would say you know it's like you know go yeah, go go like slowly but surely right so take small steps and you know try to work together mm -hmm. right and, and and I think it's always better to kind of uh, uh, 
do a, 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 a form a little bit of an alliance of people to work together. And let's say, you know, we're going to look at three different markets, for instance, like three different people come together and whomever find the first deal, you know, we, mm. we agree to share the responsibilities and, and talk about it. Like, how are we going to work together and, and uh, sp spend the time to define the roles and responsibilities uh, uh, before like to sign, you know, to, to take down a deal, you know, that, mm -hmm. that's why, because once, once you're signed, you know, you're, you're committed and your co-sponsor co, uh, co and co-GPs, general partners on a deal, that, that's going to be for quite a bit of time, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things there to unpack with people that are interested in uh, reviewing different um, sponsors for to partner with or to passively invest with. So it can be right. used uh, many different facets. So uh, Philippe, tell us about like, have you had any deals um, fall through or fail? And uh, if so, uh, what were the underlying mistakes that you made or your team made? Um, yeah, I think I think our, 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 my my biggest uh, uh, fall through is is you know we 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 lost quite a bit of of earnest money on a on a larger deal um, that we we tried to uh, to 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 take down and and you know it didn't it didn't work out because uh, you know I think it, 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 we tried to go after like a larger asset a, a little bit too early in in my. Uh, career i would say and moreover uh it was kind of you know several like new features uh part of that scenario it was like a new market uh you know again like the the size larger size mm -hmm. like i mentioned it was like 30 plus million dollars and and also um we wanted to use a, a perfect equity partner and you know, with like our, our, our group at the time, um, you know, and especially like the, the more senior um, uh, co, you know, partner working with us uh, uh, was kind of guiding us. You know, I think like on, on the concept was interesting. However, I didn't do it yet, and, and that's something we kind of uh, failed to uh, uh, have a good uh, understanding of, of the consequences. And, and we ended up working with a perfectly partner, you know, and, and not really have a, a, a good backup in place. Mm -hmm. um, and at the, at the 11th hour, like basically like 10 days before closing, they said, oh, we're not going to to pursue this deal mm -hmm. with you. And uh, thank you and bye-bye. <laughs> and and we're like uh, shocked. And, you know, like I said, we, we lost... Uh, yeah, quite a bit of, of earnest money and that was certainly a learning experience that's why I'm, I'm you know i always recommend my, my students to start with you know something that they know they have somebody that they can ask questions and who has done that scenario yeah. that 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 business plan successfully yeah right yeah so i want to ask you um well two things first thing is that Every time I've been involved with a deal and there's the big whale, it always is turns negative where you have one person that's, whether it's one partner that's bringing all the money or whether you have one investor bringing all the funds or a large percentage of it, it always becomes an issue. And after the first deal we did like that many years back and that happened and we scrambled, but we closed it going forward, I would always have a silent backup going. And um, because usually... Uh, 
the it's not always that they'll pull the money out as i found is that sometimes they want to renegotiate at the last minute um but it's just it's too risky especially when you have money on the line yeah yeah and and you know what what i've learned from from another uh, uh experience uh, syndicator um you know, uh, actually, it's it's Brian Burke. You know, you you, you probably know mm -hmm. him. Yep. Uh, he was on the show, yeah. Uh, Cap Capital, and, and you know, I was talking to him about about our, our, our failure, and and he said, I mean, you know, obviously he has thirty years of experience, so it's probably somebody <laughs> I should have consulted with at, at the time, but but he was saying, yeah, you know, you don't want a a a, a perfect equity. Um, you know, you don't want just pref equity. What you need is pref equity partner, meaning that they must commit, have skin in the game, you know, towards closing the deal instead of, yeah, they, you know, they they kind of, uh, uh, you know, kind of promise to to do this, but, they, you know, what, at, at the last minute, they can still pull out and, and they're not going to lose money. And, and you know, what happened is they just refunded us. We, we, we had some kind of deposit with them. They refunded us and that's it. Now, what we should have asked is say, look, okay, we're working with you and you know, we're going to do the deal together, but you, you put money at risk along us, right? Yeah. Proata of, of you know, what, whatever we bring it to the table, but that, that was the right way to do it. Can you, can you explain a little bit what for our listeners preferred, preferred equity? So this is something yeah, sure. that I, we've started seeing over the last three or four years with syndicators where there's not just, hey, it's an 80-20 or 70-30 split, 7% pref, right? Which was typically how we did our first deal. And now it's gotten where it is, you've gotten, you know, class A, B, C, D, and you've got, you know, some are preferred, some are. So can you explain kind of what that is versus being a regular I guess you say limited partner in it and having upside. Yeah, certainly. Um, so, you know, I think when, when you look and, you know, what you want to take down like a, a large deal uh, and, and let's take the, the example of a $30 million deal, like, you know, a very quick rule of thumb, you're, you're going to have to bring to the table approximately $10 million. And let's say your, your capacity uh, for raising money at that point is, is about, let's say three or four. Right. And, and so, you know, you have, you, mm -hmm. you can say, well, you know, so I, you know, I can partner with somebody else. We can bring, you know, the, the rest of the money or, or, you know, there are different ways to structure the, the deal at that point. And, and maybe one, one way that is interesting is to use pref equity. The pref equity, you know, the, it's kind of, a, if you think about it, it's, it's kind of like a, a second mortgage, but, but it, it is not a second mortgage. Mm -hmm. So, so when, when you look at your capital stack, you, you have like the, the senior lender, we will have like, let's say 60 to maybe 70% of the loan to value or loan to cost, right? Depending, uh, you know, if you do, you finance your repairs or not, and, or if it's a bridge loan. And, and, and then, you know, usually in the typical syndication, like you, you mentioned earlier, Charles, the rest would be the equity from, from the investors. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that, that equity from the investors, you, you can subdivide it in, in two tranches, if you will, mm -hmm. one being the pref equity and then being the equity from, from your investors. And pref equity, they're going to say, 
Number one is they want to be second right after the senior lender. So the first that will be paid with from the cash flow will be the senior lender. But then Im immediately after that, the pref equity partner, they will want to be paid. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, and that, you know, that's going to be like part of the contract, yeah. etc. And like you said, maybe it's, it could be like called like a class A or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But they are paid first. And after only, you, you, you know, you're, you're in third position, that there's going to be the equity of, of your investors, uh, uh, etc. And on that, you can do a split uh, uh, and pref if, if you want to. But so so the, the pref equity partner, so second position is one thing. The other thing is they're not going to have like super high expectations necessarily. So they could charge like a flat, you know, seven, eight, nine percent for a, a, a period of time. And then there's an option to buy them out. Usually, you know, if you do like a cash out refi uh, um, and, and uh, um, so, so if you, if you look at it, so the pros are your, your investors, you, you know, you're going, you're going to have, it's, it's almost like you have uh, uh, more leverage to some extent, you know, which obviously yeah. it's a double-edged sword, but ju just to, you know, to, to explain simply, uh, uh, you're going to boost the returns of the equity. You know, let's say, you know, like in, in the example I mentioned earlier, you bring $7 million from pref equity and you have like $3 million uh, from, for, for your investors. Um, you're going to boost the returns. The returns will be higher. That, that's, that's the pros. The cons are you're in third position. So if the, the deal was going not going well, well, you know, and maybe they're not going to be paid for a while, your, your, your investors. Um, so it's an interesting, you know, I've, I've, I've heard, you know, some, some people doing that successfully. Um, and interestingly enough, just as, as a quick note there, when all, all deal failed, we had, uh, uh, um, there, there was another group that, you know, we, we worked with, you know, in parallel and so on, a little bit more established. They exactly had the same thing happen to them with an equity partner and it failed at the last minute and they lost like major EMD. So, you know, I guess we are at the time kind of early, early uh, stage, you know, yeah. kind of pioneers at the time. Uh, but like you said, you know, now it's, it's, it's more, it's more common, but, you know, again, you have, it's something you have to be careful about and structure it well and make sure that, you know, they're, they're committed to the success of, of, of the deal. Yeah, it's funny. I had partners um, in, and they had a deal, and um, sixty percent of the raise was done by. They brought in a family office. Let's say raise. Let's say the equity needed to close, and it was brought in by family office. And um, this is the first time they had done a deal with family office, and it was fine. There was no issues. Deal still going on now. But the thing though is that during to get withdrawals and distributions out to the limited partners in the deal and initially there's a lot of hoops to jump through and then also there's like three people to sign off on k1s and it was a lot more in depth because you had the family office with their people signing off so you'd have the operators and then you'd have the family office signing off and there's like you know then they had that was like three parts so there's there's a lot of different people going yeah. on but you're able to do bigger deals and then also um, like you said, larger returns for uh, the investors that have some of the up, upside in that. Yeah. And 
So yeah, that's interesting. But what you mentioned here, and I think it it will be kind of a, a nuance to what I I had experienced, because so understand from what you you said is like the family office was involved in in you know at least some mm -hmm. kind of approval. Yeah. Whereas that with the uh, um, perfect equity partner we worked with, they they was they were like hands off. They're like mm -hmm. we give you the money, so we, you know we signed the the, the papers. You know, obviously, you know, I'm sh I'm sure there was like some kind of step in, you know, if if the deal was not going to right. to uh, go well, and and mm -hmm. and they would could take over. But otherwise, they were like, yeah, you know, we give you the money, we let you work. If you know, we're cashing our seven percent mm -hmm. or you know whatever the the number was, and, and we leave you alone, and and you know, we just have a contract, and and that's it. So that's why I I kind of. Uh, made the comparison to kind of a second mortgage, even yeah. though it, it is not, they are not on the, on the lien per se. Um, mm, but yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. There are so many ways to structure deals. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's very, yeah. uh, there are a lot of options there. And, yeah. and, and sometimes you can make it, you can make a deal work by like just the way it's structured. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very interesting. So, Philippe, as we're uh, closing up here, how, let's say, over the years, both of your professional career and now your full-time real estate career, how have your thoughts towards money changed over the years? You know, it's 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 in, it's it's a very interesting question because you know I think the my first uh, kind of awareness of of what money was and how it worked is when I, I read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. And you know the, the the concept of the rat race. I was, you know, in my let's say late late thirties at the time, and I was a hundred percent living in the in the rat race. You know, it's like I I had each time I wanted to 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 invest. I you know I had my like my four hundred k, but I I didn't have like money to to invest in anything else. You know, I was just like spending it. And, yeah. and, you know, the, the other thing, so that was like s step one, step two is when I read the millionaire next door, yeah. uh, which, which brings that, that whole, so, you know, there's a whole study um, that they run, you know, uh, with hundreds of, of, of millionaires and, and actually like the, you know, they make a, a very distinct uh, comparison between people who are very conscious about saving money and building wealth compared to people who are just big spenders yeah. and who have, who have no wealth. And, and it's, 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 uh, it's very interesting. Uh, uh, and I, I try very much to, to live by those, those principles kind of mirroring the, the, the uh, uh, good habits of, of, of millionaires described in, in that book. Uh, yeah. I recommend it. Yeah, it's very eye-opening, that book. I, I love it. Yeah, it's very interesting and very eye-opening. And when you read the back flap and they like give you a synopsis of what the average millionaire is, you're like, I got to read this because it's completely different than, especially now with social media and stuff. I think I read it before social media at the initial time, but it was just like, uh, it's great. It's a great read that you should, they should, everybody should have. Um, what do you think are the main factors that have contributed to your success? Yeah, you, you know, it's, it's, um, it's it's why what I say always to to or often to my students um, it, it's uh, I think con consistency, mm -hmm. consistency and focus, and, and uh, uh, so focus 
I will start with focus. Focus is like, you know, if you select a market, you know, become the expert in that market. And I know it's, it, you know, I believe if you read uh, Joe Ferles' book on, on syndications, he studied like 200 deals before he started to, to invest uh, when, when he started his career, 200 deals in the same market. You know, he had like all the, the data point for 200 deals. And then when a, 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 an interesting deal came up, that's how he knew it was interesting because you had so much uh, uh, data to compare it with. It's say, oh, you know, this deal, you know, in that location could make those rents. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, now it's underperforming and I can buy, you know, uh, uh, right now at this point and, and bring it to, to that level and, and obviously like, make, make the returns. So, so, so that's focus and, and consistency is, uh, you know, I think investing in multifamily, it's, 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 it's uh, closer to a marathon than, than a sprint. Mm -hmm. So you really have to, you know, put, put the effort, you know, look at a lot of deals before you'll be able to, to take one down. Um, so, you know, be consistent, you know, be, become the expert of your market. And, uh, uh, you know, eventually, you'll, you know, maybe you'll find people to, to partner with and, you know, and eventually you'll, you'll succeed. All right. So how can our listeners learn more about you and your business, Philip? Yeah. So uh, they can reach out to, to me via email. Uh, so my email address is Philippe. It spells P-H-I-L-I-P-P-E -P -P -E at boostmycapital.com. And they can also come to our website at boostmycapital.com to download uh, our five ways to, uh, don't let me, give me one, one second on, on this. <laughs> uh, yeah, five ways to boost your capital beyond your retirement account. That's how it's called. So uh, come to our website. You can download our uh, guide, uh, ebook about this. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and uh, looking forward to connecting with you here in the near future. Sounds good. Thank you, Charles. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hi, guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at schedulecharles.com. That's schedulecharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars, LLC, exclusively.